Hello and welcome to another fabulous, informational, power-packed episode on Ready, Set, Real Estate. But wait, before you jump into that, I wanted to invite you to our free monthly real estate classes that we are having fourth Saturday of each month. And yes, that means you missed probably January's class and February's class if you're not on my list. So please be sure to subscribe to my list, lasuperagent.com. Type in your email in the subscribe so I can make sure you get the invitation. If not, go directly to our calendar at bit.ly slash real estate class 2021. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash real estate class 2021. All right, that's it for now and enjoy the show. Wednesday, happy Wednesday, happy hump day, wherever you are on this phenomenal planet. Y'all remember that? You remember that? Class is in session. We are continuing our caveat M4 buyer beware series. Listen, you know what time it is when you hear when you hear the music, you should already know what time it is. I'm bringing it. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette, also known as Super Agent. I'm a national public educator. I'm a real estate broker, professional agent trainer, award-winning author, founder and creator of many fun, cool endeavors like Real Estate 100 Youth Foundation, this country, or nation's first real estate-focused nonprofit for the youth and young adults for the youth and young adults. So let me say this. DJ, hit the music. Lord the music. <laughs> All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know the price of admission. Listen, today we are going to continue our series of the Caveat Mtor Buyer Beware. Shout out to my YouTube folks. How are you? Say hi, say hello, drop a comment down below. Uh, if you're streaming on, or you're viewing on YouTube or you are viewing or checking out on Facebook, uh, Facebook at LA Super Agent or Ready Set Real Estate, we are streaming simultaneously. I would go through the F extra effort of getting us on Instagram, but no, no, not really. <laughs> not really. I'm just... Um, YouTube and Facebook is fine. If you don't want to be on Facebook, that's fine. Uh, jump on the YouTube and hit that subscribe button. You can catch the replay. Make sure when you're on, just hashtag replay. That way I know you're on because then I get alerted. And then if you have questions or comments, I can kind of come back on and engage with you if time permits. And usually I love to engage online. So 
this is why I am still in control of most, I should say all of my content is because I still want to be engaged. I still want to be connected. Remember my motto here is connect, build and share. Okay. Before I jump into that, uh, remember, you know, this is, this is going to be very interesting here. Let me, um, I might have to change my, this is bothering me. Is this bothering you? Does this bother you as much as much it's bothering me? Okay, cool. All right. So I want to make sure that you have access to all the information that I'm providing. So be sure to check out lasuperagent.com. I have gone through so much growth that I couldn't keep up with everything that I was doing, like teaching, training, sales. Yes, I'm an active real estate professional. So uh, actively running a business in this crazy market right now is, I'm grateful, but it's definitely insane. I also want to say that I'm actually doing uh, a guest or special presentation with the Pasadena Public Library that is happening next week online. Be sure you register. I'm sure there's a link somewhere in the caption below or any of my pages that I send that to, or you can go directly to the Pasadena Public Library. And this is going to be a talk on career paths. So for those of you who are curious and thinking about what should I do? You know, I mean, it, there's COVID, there's no work, I've been laid off. What can I do? This is a great opportunity for you not to just only learn from me, but other professionals and career paths that they'll be featuring. So my segment is called Ready, Set, Real Estate. That's March 17th. If I'm not mistaken, we go on at 5.30. I should just double check that. Let me look at the calendar. What time are we on? Five o'clock. You, you would miss 30 minutes if you listened to me just now. No, five o'clock. So come on five o'clock, March 17th. Check out the link. Pasadena Public Library is having, I think it's a one story, one night type uh, feature or program. Okay. So cool. Good stuff. What else? What else? Um, I'm doing announcements right now. What else? What else? What else needs to happen? Um, announcements. I think that's about it. So speaking, presenting March 17th. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, duh. Duh, Lisa. Duh. Uh, also we are still having our free adult real estate classes. I have to distinguish between the adult and youth class because I am a youth real estate uh, uh, teacher. Uh, and I, I just have so much joy doing that, man. That is that is like the best when I can do my real estate training and programs with the youth. I have not got us on my calendar per se, but remember, I do collaborate with other organizations and they bring me on to teach their real estate literacy program. So you should definitely stay in touch. Uh, if you miss those opportunities, shoot me an email, send me a text. You have my number. There it is, right? Oh, hold on. Let me take that off. Let's do that again. You have my number. No, that's not my number. You have my number. There it is. There it is. 323-488-3265. So just make sure you have my number. Um, thank you. Thank you very much, Grady. Appreciate that. Plugging me in, helping me out here. Make sure you register. Yes, March 17th, 5 p.m., Pasadena Public Library. Career Pathways, ages 
16 and up, I think it's a, it, it's going to be a family event. You know, when I come on, I make it family friendly. If I can teach children, I can teach adults. And so I'm going to go beyond the scope of the real estate professional and talk about everybody in this business that I always say you must give credit when credit is due. And so this is a $1.7 trillion, trillion with a T, trillion with a T, not a B. $1.7 trillion industry. That is annual, annual, annual. How, how much? $1.7 trillion industry annually. There are other people involved. Okay. So uh, when I do the youth class, the kids, you know, the youth know how to earn money in this business without being a real estate professional or, be or being licensed. This last cohort that we did, we actually talked about wholesaling, which you know, that was brought on by the youth. I'm telling you, these kids, when they're exposed to some stuff and they really appreciated that I was able to just gauge them and guide them and just be up front. And they were like, man, thank you so much for really clarifying because YouTube, some of these YouTube people don't really tell you everything. And I'm like, I have nothing to lose, gain, benefit. I think when we're clear, clarity is important. Transparency is important. So very good. Um, Grady, appreciate you. Thank you for that. Yep, that's right. It is, you got to remind people it's 1.7. It's a $1.7 trillion industry. Okay, with that being said, listen up. If you haven't uh, signed up, the free, free, I said free 99 adult real estate classes. I don't, I already talked about, it. I don't need to charge you for that. Why? Because not only do I feel it's my give back to, uh, the real estate community. So real estate professionals are welcome to attend my classes as well. Uh, we had a great one last month. I mean, shout out to the agents that uh, actually attended. They were so appreciative. They're like, Lisa, thank you for doing this. I talked about iBuyers and cash offers, understanding iBuyers and cash offers. So yes, that's like your Zillow's, your Open Door, your, uh, your in those instant cash offers. And I talked about the pros and cons to both sides. And more importantly, who ends up paying the price in the end? And at the end of the day, it hurts buyers. When you're working with a company that is not pulling permits on these flips, if it's not properly disclosed, or even if you, you as a buyer are not working with someone that is assisting you with your due diligence process, because the city is going to come a knocking. The city will come knocking and giving you an invitation to their table and say, listen, you owe us some money for some unpermitted work. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. So um, remember, please do remember to sign up for the free adult real estate classes. Now, it's a bit.ly link. Um, yes, uh, because I've got a lot of stuff going on. I do owe you one place to go. I think I should just do my Linktree link because, you know, I put a lot of stuff out there and then sometimes, honestly, it's hard to keep up with myself. So <laughs> I'm going to post it here. When I post it here, I already know um, Facebook or YouTube may not like this link that I drop. Let's see if it works. But if it does, boom, there it is for you, right? Linktree at LA Super, uh, dot Linktree slash LA Super Agent. And once you go to that link, the cool thing is, let me share my screen. The cool thing is, yep, boom, guess what? 
it'll take you here. Yeah. And I've got all this information. Let's do a zoom real quick. Let's do the zoom so we can see. I've got all this information. <clears throat> I can't zoom today. Isn't that crazy? Go to view. I got to do it all school, right? Zoom in. Okay, there it is. So I got to do zoom and then boom, boom, boom. Great. See that first link? Real estate, 2001 real estate class. That is the schedule. See, it's going to take you to the schedule. It says, great. Guess what? We're having real estate classes happening every month. Boom. All right. Once, once you go there, you hit the next button. Boom. Guess what happens? Oh, I give you the schedule. You know what I'll be talking about before I talk about it. So I'm going to have a guest. Uh, actually, I have two classes. Well, hold on. Let me say this. One of my investors, uh, we messed up in scheduling, so he couldn't make it for February's class. I'm going to bring him back. Uh, I'm going to get him on the calendar because I think I we definitely need to hear from our investor perspective when we talk about writing cash offers. And we really went in on scrutinizing bank statements. People can make up bank statements. Yes, we did talk about that. We talked about what to look out for. So that was a great class. You, you missed out if you missed out. You missed out. Don't miss the next one. And, and this stuff is free 99. So come on and join us. It's 10 a.m. Pacific time. So notice right here, uh, I want to just let people know who are new to me that the next class is March 7th. Oh, excuse me, March 27th. Okay. So you see it right there. What you need to know about appraisals. I have an appraiser coming on who was who's a wealth of knowledge. I've had him on my show before. Guess what? He's going to come on and do a webinar style with us on Zoom. I just called him the other day about an appraisal that I needed a second opinion. So we learned when you, if you were on my show with Mark, uh, Mark dropped so much game on appraisals. Like he, man, Mark is awesome. I, and it's rare, you know, I don't really do all that to a, with a lot of folks, but it's because he's an educator and he, he freely give, he freely is seeking to educate people. Um, and I know he works with credit and assisting people and he's got a real estate investment club. So this is someone who is really about building. Okay. And so I gave him a call. He walked me through. He showed me the variances of 15%, minus 15%, 20, 25%, the GLA, right? So when I'm saying all that, you will know what I'm talking about. What's the GLA, right? What comps, how many comps did he use? Um, what's the 1004 form? What are they? Oh man, listen, appraisals are fun when you know what you're doing. <laughs> okay. Hey, Grady. So Grady says, will this be informative for new investors at Absolutely. Yes. You need to know because he actually was telling me how, what the, what the spread is with, with investors when it comes to those BPOs. Because remember, if you're doing hard money loans, you're still getting an appraisal. You're still getting a BPO. The broker price opinion is their version of an appraisal. You need to know when you're writing up your offers and need to know the LTV, you need to know what the spread is. 
in terms of if it does not appraise um, at contract price, what do you do? So Mark is helpful because he helped answer that question. I'm going to let him answer it because I think that's uh, should be answered by an appraiser. So Brady, definitely sign up. All right. So that's the Linktree link. It's there. I'm going to show it again. So I'm just going to focus on April. But as you can see, take a screenshot. You see what's happening right here on the schedule. I'm just going in rehab versus remodeling, understanding escrow and sellers net sheet. Everybody wants to know how much am I making? I got a phone call today and I referred it out to my realtor partner out in Philadelphia. Uh, a seller client called. He was interested in selling his property. And the question he wanted to know was how much are you going to charge? Right. Why? Because it affects the bottom number the bottom line. People want to know how much they're going to make once it's all said and done. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to go through a net sheet. It's important for you to understand this. So all are welcome. All are welcome. And then, of course, selling a tenant occupied property, especially as we talk about within the scope of a national moratorium, which currently a Texas federal judge ruled that it was unconstitutional for the CDC and the government to impose a moratorium. The DOJ, which means the Department of Justice has appealed that decision. So it is headed to the appellate court. You hear that? It is headed to the appellate court. Stand by, stay tuned. You should be following this information if you are an investor, if you're a property owner, if you're a realtor, agent, broker, a buyer, you a tenant, you should be following this information as it unfolds because it is going to potentially set precedence from one state to another because there aren't too many people happy, namely shareholders, investors, and property owners, that there is a moratorium on the on evicting tenants for non-payment of rent. Okay. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Um, let's see, someone I've got a text asking for the link for today's live. Give me a sec. Let me just go ahead and send that out. Listen, you know the price of admission of the show. I'm going to start stop sharing my screen now. All right. And we're going to get into the show topic. So let's uh, stop that real quick. Bring me that. Let me cut that out. Um, yeah. So use the link tree. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there, like the podcast, uh, you know, merge, subscribing to the mailing list and everything else. So once you subscribe, you'll get the emails that goes out and says, hey, we're having a class. I don't spam. I don't do all that other stuff. I send you stuff when I have something coming up. And that's typically once or twice a month. I'm doing a training. I'm doing a class. I may share special announcements um, like progress and updates of maybe what's going on with me or things that I'm getting involved in that I may find would be relevant to you. So like I'll be sharing more about um, the special presentation for next week and just some other stuff. There's, there's tons of stuff going on right now that I wanted to make sure you guys are keeping up with. So let me uh, let me share this real quick. Boom. Do, 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 do. Price of admission is press one. Let's me know that you're here Two. let's me know that you shared it. OK, you know how this goes getting all this information online lets me know uh price of admission if you attended the entrepreneur series that you you know what i'm talking about when i say price of admission <laughs> 
price of it. What's the price of admission? You know what you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, great. Let's jump into class. I'm just changing up my views real quick. Uh, let's jump into class today. Okay, wonderful. Much helpful. Okay, great. Let me know you shared it. Press one. One says I'm here. Two, I shared it. Grady, I know you're here. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for tuning in. It's a late night. Um, it is late wherever you are on this planet. I I wanted to be consistent. So it looks like we're going to get to um, Ready, Set, Real Estate. We'll be back on every two weeks uh, because I've shared with you, I am back in school. So I'm constantly learning. Yes, um, I am in my first year of law school. I'm looking to add real estate attorney to my tutelage, to my uh, CV, if you will. So as a real estate professional brokerage, I feel like I can also bring value to something uh, by way of, of legal matters in the law. I actually wanted to be an attorney before I knew I wanted to be uh, in real estate, before I knew what real estate was. But I, I that was something, you know, seated in me. So I am just, you know, pursuing my childhood dreams. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. I trust you are all well. Um, I trust you are all well. All right. So let's get into today's topic. Buyer beware. We talk about financing terms. Uh, if you missed last uh, the segment, we kicked off season eight. Episode one, we talked about EMD. So this is a caveat mTOR series that I've been inspired to do because of the current market conditions. It's wild out here. It is the wild, wild west. Uh, drop in the comments below and say wild, wild west. If you're an investor, new investor, this is a tough market. This is a tough market to get into because this is actually a developer's market. This is a developer's market. Yes. What does that mean when I say that, that this is a developer's market? You're competing with people with bank accounts of $10 million and up. <laughs> right. WWW. <clears throat> You're competing with people, entities, corporations with $10 million and up, clients that I've serviced, I've worked with. That, that's legitimately 10 million and up. That's just minimum. And these are also the individuals that are taking advantage of the uh, uh, tax benefit on deferring capital gains if you are investing into, uh, into, area, into areas that are... Um, blighted. That's the word I was looking for. It was in my Rolodex. And this is why we've seen this resurgence of gentrification is because there was, there's a tax code that was put into play during the last administration that encouraged deep pockets to move that money and invest and build up those communities by way of a tax deferment. So they get to defer the capital gains tax, if I'm not mistaken, over the over 10 years, right? So in my mind, when I think about this, I think pump and dump, right? Because you keep doing it over and over and over again. You get to 
continue to invest and move the money and flip the money and invest and move the money and flip the money and not have to pay taxes. It's tax efficiency. And that's what real estate gives you when real estate is done right. Because you take the de depreciation, uh, use your depreciation schedule against the asset of real estate. Uh, if you're a new investor, I would suggest you check out my series when I talked about taxes for the dealer, which is also known as the flipper. So someone who's, who flips property, you are known as a dealer. No pun intended. You are known as a dealer. That's your tax. The tax code or tax reference is dealer. And uh, shout out to... Oh, let me put my phone on mute real quick. <laughs> um, you're known as a dealer, right? And then there's the investor, D for D dealer. That means short term, you're holding properties, products, and you're flipping it. You've got to treat that as inventory in you, as you are filing taxes in that. So that's one hat. And then there's a the hat of an investor long term. So it's looking at the, the schedule, the depreciation, depreciation schedule, et cetera, of that asset and whether how long you're holding it. Right. And then there's a real estate professional. So I did a tax series that was in October of 2018, 2018, I believe I did that entire series. It was Halloween. It was kind of fun. And um, I did that with uh, Miss Martinez. So check that out. She is a master at QuickBooks and she is a national, she is a national trainer for the, she's presented and trained at the National Association of Realtors. So, um, I, I mean, I, I, I bring the hitters, you know, I do so that we all have access to this information because people talk about real estate all willy nilly and then there's just so much involved, which is why it brings me back to this topic. Buyer beware financing terms. Season eight, Season uh, season eight, episode one, we talked about the EMD. Go back and recap and review that episode as I talked about the deposit and what you should know. The buyer beware on that. It's funny. Uh, I just had a client open escrow and she's texting me and she said, you know, this is the first time I'm doing this, which is why I also have a video as well. And we did a class on that. What you need to do about wiring. What does it mean to wire your EMD? No one is, no one assumes, you know, that I don't, I don't assume you know how to do that. You don't wire money every day, much less buy real estate every day. So there is a video on the channel that shows you and walks you through the EMD instructions and what to look out for. So we talked about that in two weeks ago. Now, today, we're going to talk about financing terms. What I'm actually doing with you, I'm walking through the contract with you. I may not physically have it up and I'm not going to do that because some of you are in different states and you won't have the same contract. I don't want to confuse anyone, but you what will be consistent is how you purchase real estate. You're going to have an EMD, which is known as what? What is the EMD? EMD. What does EMD stand for? Give you a hint. Earnest what? <laughs> so you'll have an EMD. And then we're going to be talking about, we talked about cash offers in our class. I won't touch on that today. 
Today, we're going to talk about the financing terms. So on your contract, you are stipulating how you are purchasing. You are stipulating how you are going to purchase your property, likely via finance. What is financing? What does it mean to say, I am financing my transaction? What does it mean to say finance? Financing, right? Financing. What does it mean to say? Question. What does it mean to say finance this purchase? What are some examples of financing your purchase? With what types of loans specifically? My son would say, uh, he's, he, he gets a little tongue-tied or twisted with the word specific specifically. And I almost got tongue-tied too, thinking about the way he says it. So what does it mean, excuse me, what does it mean to say finance this purchase? Guesses? Right. By way of a loan. You're taking out a loan. Exactly. That's what that means. You are taking out a loan or guess what? You are borrowing money from whom are you borrowing this money from that can make a difference in the way you purchase absolutely grady it's a loan it can make a difference in your contract when you are stipulating i am going to do uh, i'm going to purchase this property using a FHA loan. I'm going to see how much I can cover. And uh, with this is going to be, I'm going to go on for another 30 minutes because I'm going to cover each loan briefly. As a full disclaimer, Lisa is not a mortgage lender or loan officer. And if you are currently in a real estate transaction, if you have any questions about your transaction, please reach out to your team, right? That means your lender, your escrow officer, your settlement agent, and your broker, real estate professional, or agent. All right. I'm deferring and giving you full, uh, full disclaimer. Great, Grady, awesome, excellent student here. <laughs> That's right. The types are, as Grady mentioned here, the bank. Right. So they're going to give you a loan. There's hard money. We're going to talk about that. Some of you may not understand that term. There's a VA loan and there's an FHA loan. And there's two more, Grady. There's the USDA loan. That's, that is for rural uh, properties and purchases done through the United States Department of Agriculture. USDA loans. And then there's the uh, conforming or conventional loans. Conventional loans. Good stuff. Appreciate it. You're on it. You're on the you're on the money. You're on the money. So let's talk about when you write up a contract and you're saying about you're talking about the FHA loan. The FHA loan. This is actually not a loan. Did you know that? Did you know the FHA that everyone calls is not a loan? FHA is not a lender. Yes, FHA is not a lender. 
If you read The Color of Law, you'll learn a little bit more about FHA. FHA is an insurer. That's right. They are an insurer guarantee. They are guaranteeing your loan. Why are they guaranteeing your loan? Why are they why do we need an insurer for your loan? You ask. Well, if we need $100 and you're bringing $3 and I'm bringing 97 and we want to take a hundred bucks into our and put it into an investment. Who is at more risk? Who is at more risk? Your three dollars or my ninety-seven dollars? This is how I explain it to my clients when they ask me about the mortgage insurance premium tacked on with FHA insured loans. That's right. I like it. Grady says, you got it. You don't have that much skin in the game. Three bucks. That's because you didn't come with that much, which means I, in this example, bringing $97, I'm fronting 97. You brought three bucks. I'm more at risk. And so the FHA was created so that there was an increased opportunity of home ownership for those who did not have a significant down payment of 20%. That's where you where you heard the 20% and then you hear about the FHA allows a first-time home buyer and all that. But here's what's tricky. You can be a first-time home buyer lose the property and do to leave deed in lieu of foreclosure. You can sell the property or you can actually have purchased the property, but not deducted the mortgage interest on your taxes and by HUD guidelines be considered a first time home buyer. So you can be a joint owner with someone on an FHA loan, but if you are not claiming the mortgage interest deduction on your taxes, you by HUD guidelines are a first time home buyer and you can actually purchase another property using an FHA insured loan, thereby using a minimum of three and a half percent down to purchase another property. Can somebody please drop a 100 in here? I just gave you some real game. Just talking to my client and friend yesterday who uh, who did this. Yeah. She was able to do that. Why? Because she didn't she didn't she didn't claim the mortgage interest deduction on her on her taxes. She wasn't she wasn't claiming the mortgage interest deduction on her taxes. I got too much game on the loans right now. I don't know if we're going to get it all in here and that I'm watching my time because I'm not going to. I don't want to go over tonight because, you know, when I get on, I get excited. I start just verbal vomit. <laughs> Buyer beware. Grady, you, you caught that? Did you get Grady caught that? Somebody asked Grady, you know, check his notes, hit pause, rewind that. I just gave you some serious, some serious gems on FHA. Right. First time home buyer. Let's 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 say it again. 
by HUD guidelines, a first-time home buyer, someone who has not deducted the mortgage interest, the mortgage interest, the interest on the mortgage, on the loan, in the last three years. So by definition, you are a first-time home buyer. You then can use an FHA loan and you can have an FHA loan. You can have an FHA loan. And guess what? You can have an FHA loan and then you can go buy a conventional uh, a property using a conventional loan. Or you can do it, do it in reverse. You can go conventional and have a property and then say, you know what? I'm going to rent this one and I'm going to go buy me some units using an FHA insured loan. And I'm going to use three and a half percent down as opposed to buying units or a second property with 20 percent down. Because, by the way, check with your lenders. There are a conventional loan product with 3% down. That's what most people are not talking about. There's the Fannie Mae, the, there's the uh, Fannie, the Freddie Mac, and the Fannie Mae Home Ready Possible and Home Ready programs that allow you to purchase using 3% down. Those are conventional loans. Hello on Viv. Miss Vivian Reed is in the building. She says, good evening, Mrs. Gillette. Welcome, 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 welcome. As I'm going through this, I welcome questions. I, I don't, this is, I don't like to just, brrr, you know, I welcome questions because then you can extract a little bit deeper and we can build on that. It's always, I, oh, when I'm always talking and training and teaching, it's more important that you get concepts and you get the examples than for me to finish all the information in a segment. Cause I can always come back. I'm always come back and give you more, right? This is, um, episode almost 500. I got so much real estate content on my channel that I, I keep finding ways to break it down and bite size because there's just so much. There's so much to learn. Okay. Who's feeling good about the FHA finance terms, buyer beware. So the buyer beware on the finance loan. So if you're telling the purchase uh, that you're telling the seller, you are purchasing using FHA, Please make sure that your loan that you were approved for matches your contract, that you are utilizing an FHA insured loan because it makes people upset if you told them FHA and then you're doing something else. Okay. That could, that is considered breach of contract if you do something else. Same thing if you're an investor and you say cash and then you go do a hard money, that is breach of contract. Okay. If you get a really, you know, hardball agent that won't take no, uh, they could potentially take your deposit. They could potentially go after your deposit for breach of contract. It is a process, you know, serve you with, you know, performance, non-performance, all that other stuff. There is a process and it, it just gets into a legal mess. So this is why we're talking about financing terms so that we are clear that we understand how we're purchasing a property before we get locked into a contract and we say one thing and it doesn't match what we're doing. This is why we're talking about it as a buyer beware. The next one, I'm going to uh, use Grady as uh, Grady's notes or comments as a highlight or as a guide for us because he he covered most of it. And I'm just going to add two more to to it here. So um, he referred to the bank. The bank is a direct lender. I 
would like to say and recommend um, banks have overlays. I've talked about it before. I think it's now a good time, especially in this market, to talk about the bank's overlays. So banks will pre-qualify you. There is a difference between being pre-qualified versus pre-approved and versus a conditional approval. So there's now three levels of approvals, right? There's three levels of being qualified per se. Uh, the lowest or not as strong of a qualification is a pre-qualification. I can pre-qualify you, draft a letter and say, here you go. I asked you questions about your credit. You said you think it's good. I asked you if you have money for a down. You said, yep, you're good to go. I asked you how much money you made and you told me. I asked you how much your expenses are and you told me. I asked you how much debts and you told me. The key word is you told me. You did not show me. So being pre-qualified is you telling, not showing necessarily. I may run your credit to verify. But what I have not done is taken the extra steps to verify. So that's the important part. Verify. Verify. Okay. So now, now that we have gone through financing terms, buyer beware on the FHA, making sure it matches up with our pre-approval. I'm going to, in this case, I'm, I'm going to just talk about pre-approval because I would like for you to be accustomed to thinking about it in that way, pre-approval. And, and banks have overlay. So as they pre-qualify you, they will say to you, yep, you're good to go, go shopping. And then what happens is when you enter escrow, they tend to have additional underwriting conditions that you need to satisfy. All, all lenders will have that. Some are going to be a lot more stringent than others. And unfortunately, um, that can cost you a deal. I've seen banks pull the loan. If they see something they don't like, if there's something not consistent, something the 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 mortgage, uh, the lender did not, uh, the loan officer didn't check out with you or verify, and it's they're going to pull it. They typically want something very black and white, clean, no questions, no, no nothing, you know, complicated. I work for Uber. I do a little this. Um, I, I do online sales. You, you've got income coming from everywhere. There's consistencies and yeah. So you may want to definitely check with your loan. Uh, want to check with what your options are. I am usually, a, I'm a proponent and I must say this, especially because of, unfortunately in the banking and financing industry, there has been notably this uh, discrimination, discriminatory practices, and it shouldn't be, but it still exists. Wells Fargo being fined for one. Um, I just read that, um, uh, I think it was Bank of America, Bank of America actually had to settle on appraisals. There was an issue with the what, this discriminatory values coming on an appraisal or on their appraisals. It still happens. And this is why I I'm an educator in this right of and proponent of, of information of reaching out to direct lenders that are in the business of, of loans. That's what they do. When you tend to go with banks, they're at they're in the business of protecting shareholders' money. If you work with uh, mortgage brokers and mortgage uh, lenders, direct lenders, 
they're in the business of issuing loans, okay? And usually they are going to take risk that most banks are not going to take because why their business is selling those loans, packaging them and selling them on the secondary market, right? Fannie and Freddie Mac are the buyers of those loans. They put their requirements and say, in order for us to buy these loans, this is what we stipulate. These are these the this needs to be met in order for us to in, buy this as a package. Okay. Um, so as we talk about hard money loans, financing terms, right? I asked, what should we be paying attention to? If you're going to stipulate on a contract that it's a hard money, be very clear with yourself and the lender that you're using that they are actually funding loans, especially hard money. That money dried up a lot of my, I'm actually getting texts right now from my investors who saying, hey, Lisa, we're back. You got anything for us? You know, when COVID happened, they disappeared. You know who I'm going to rock with? The people that didn't leave me hanging high and dry. I'm going to rock with those investors that still performed, that didn't walk away, that didn't back out. Unfortunately, I, I, it's just based on experience. I'm not going to want to subject myself to someone that's iffy, namely investors who leave you high and dry. This is why buyer beware on the finance terms is you need to understand how you're going in. How are you stipulating the terms of your purchase, namely on the finance? If you're going to do hard money, cool. And if you're going to do hard money, you want to also stipulate that, right? Give yourself some options. And that's when we see buyer reserves the right to use hard money, private money, and or cash. Give yourself those options. All right. So the next option that we want to talk about, and this is, I'm going to move my screen again. Boop, 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 boop. The next option we want to discuss is VA loan or conforming. Let's do con con conventional loans. So conventional loans on the conventional financing. Oh, hold on. This is really interesting here. Okay. Perfect. A lot better. <laughs> On the conventional financing. Okay, so on conventional financing, same thing. You want to double check. In this section of the contract, is this oftentimes stipulating what type of loan? What's the interest rate on the loan? How much points are you paying on the loan? And if there are other additional terms. Me as a professional, I like to fill those boxes out. Why? Because those are usually outs for my client if they don't get a loan based on those terms. Because I am saying my client is purchasing this property based on these terms. Meaning if they don't get the interest rate that I have stipulated in the contract, my client potentially can use that as an out. They can use it as an out, meaning a, a reason for cancellation. If they're saying, I'm going to buy this house, on the condition of that I get an interest rate of this. But if you have a professional agent, I should say you just have an agent, um, not all of them are created equal. And that's just, I just think that's just not enough experience or training. Uh, I can't speak to other people, but it's from what I've seen. Some leave that section blank. 
I don't, I think you, it's a disservice to the client in terms of what their options are when it comes to financing. Okay. So I normally, I normally stipulate an interest rate term when I'm talking about financing, I'm stipulating that. All right. So conventional FHA now VA, you've got to stipulate the same thing, financing terms. Now here's the thing. And I want to, I'm going to wrap this up in 10 more minutes. And here's what I want to say about the financing aspect of using an FHA loan, a VA loan. There's this thing called lender required repairs. Buyer beware. You should know that unless the seller is agreeing to complete lender required repairs, you may not get the financing. So that should be something you are aware of when you are negotiating in counter offers, offers and counter offers, addendums and requests for repairs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You should be aware that your request for repairs, depending on what the callouts are by the appraiser that comes out to inspect it according to FHA and or VA standards, they will stipulate what required repairs need to be done in order for this loan to meet HUD guidelines. So again, if the seller is not agreeing to do those lender required repairs, it is a possible risk you put yourself at in moving forward because you may potentially not get that loan. Those repairs need to be done and or there are ways to negotiate it. I would recommend getting my book just fell out of escrow. It is available on Amazon. And I talk about all kinds of fun hacks and ways. They're not really hacks, they're great tips. And it's by way of experience of how I've successfully been able to get deals closed and funded when those issues of lender required repairs come up or even pre-sale inspection repairs come up as well. Those are some things that'll kill your deal faster than anything else. Those darn repairs, all right? So moving along. I'm, I'm again, I'm using Grady's checklist here to move us through. So that was the financing terms and things we need to be be aware of. All right. Other than that, um, I think I'm good there. This is where we're going to stop. I'm in the second part of the contract, first being the EMD, second part being the finance terms and the things that you as a buyer need to be aware of when you are submitting your offer for a contract of sale. Be aware, be aware. Because what I'm seeing right now in this wild, wild west of a market is that buyers are agreeing to terms that they can't perform on just to get into their foot in the door. I think it's a waste of time and it's a waste of escrow. It's a waste of time, a waste of escrow. If you are, put, if you are agreeing to terms that you cannot perform on, just so you can get in and you can try to figure it out and create a mess for yourself. You would subject yourself to losing your deposit. Don't do that. Don't lose your money. Don't lose your money. Just read your contracts and just defer back to how, where's your money coming from? Is the bank funding it? 
Is a direct lender, a mortgage lender funding it? They're not the same. Is it a credit union, savings and loan? These are, is it private funding? Is it private money? Is it a self-directed IRA? Is it cryptocurrency? Where is it coming from? Stipulate that. Stipulate that. Especially as we talk about cash purchases as well. Cryptocurrency is an increasing form uh, of a currency to purchase real estate. So be clear. So people understand whether they want to be involved. You're saying cash because in your mind, you know, you can convert your cryptocurrency. I'll talk more on that. I'm excited. That's going to come more um, because that's definitely something we should uh, be discussing. Question. Grady says contingencies. Question. What is your question about contingencies? Finance contingencies, uh, contingencies, inspection contingencies, appraisal contingencies. Uh, I will be covering contingencies next, but I can answer your question because I could, contingencies requires an entire segment alone because uh, there's a there's about seven contingencies in a contract that can protect the buyer to walk away from a deal. Seller has their own contingencies that will protect them as well. And I think anyone who's experienced um, would uh, should know what these contingencies are. Uh, so the question is, does that apply to financing contingencies? Yes, it only applies, Grady, if it's stipulated in the contract. What does the contract say? Guess what? Sometimes it's an oversight just to check that little box. There's a box on the contract that says this is a financing contingency, meaning this deal is contingent on me getting the loan. This deal is contingent on something happening, right? But guess what? The time period for the contingency, you should be paying attention as well. You're saying that I'm going to get this loan or final loan approval within how many days? Our contract in California has a default of 21 days. Agents will sometimes shorten that to something like 17 days or sometimes they'll lengthen it to 30 days or 45 days, depending if they're using city programs. Even that, let me talk about that real quick before I, we wrap it up, because I've seen, um, oh man, I, I remember this young buyer who was using a city down payment program and the agent that was working with her did not, um, he, he wrote a very short offer and it got, except when I say short time-wise, he said he can, this was a city down payment program and I'm familiar with it. And that at minimum is going to take you 60 days for underwriting. You hear me? 60 days for underwriting. He put his close of escrow to be uh, 27 days. So if I'm supposed to close escrow in 27 days, but I'm using a city down payment program, that's going to take me 60 days just to get underwritten. I have just put, or in that example, that agent just subjected his client to possibly risking her deposit for non-performance, right? Because his times are jacked up. All they need to do is a notice to perform. If she stays in the deal or she cancels, she can cancel within her, her, her contingency period. There's a safe period. You can cancel and walk away and keep your money. But after that, um, depending on how the counter comes back, I've seen agents are doing wild things right now. They are trying to make removal of contingencies passive. 
that was done very early in my my career and very early that was the way it was done back for those agents who did it 30 years ago removal contingencies have become active so this is why i want to talk about it in an entire separate segment because it does require its specific segment and attention because there's passive and active and the counters that agents are trying to write is they're trying to make it passive, meaning you don't need to actually physically write it or remove it and have your buyer sign it, which I would not ever advise or agree to that in a counter offer. Don't do that. Do not do that. You will lose your client's money faster than your beat hearts, your, your heart beats. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Thank you for tuning in today. Look, it was great having you on. Thank you for your questions. As always, you are welcome to um, bring questions, send emails. If there's any way that I can support uh, your business, uh, if you are an industry professional, do know that Ready, Set, Real Estate is a club. We are welcome to everybody. That's where the trainings are happening once a month. You get Ready, Set, Real Estate merch, including this cool cup, right? And um, Ready, Set, Real Estate is uh, available for education and training for our industry professionals and our general population. Okay, good stuff. Other than that, I think I'm going to wrap it up. This was always good to be on. And um, if there aren't any more questions, I'm going to give you a few minutes because I know we're probably like a few seconds difference. Just let me know. Okay. Do, 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 do. Grace is, thank you, thank you. Grady, absolutely. You're much appreciated. It's much appreciated. Thank you for your questions as well. Thank you for sharing. All right. So I will see you next time on another information packed episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. Mm-mm-mm-mm.